The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider podcast where we take you behind the scenes at the world's greatest football magazine. This week I'm joined by the usual crew. That would be publisher Andy Jackson. Hello. And deputy editor Trevor Trahani. Hello. How are you? You paused there and you thought about saying something else as my introduction. Yeah, but no, you're, you're a deputy dog. We love you for it. Um, straight into round 24, I think it is, or what did you want to call it? The handbag round. I handbag it was, round. Because there was definite handbags Kicking in off, every wasn't it? game, wasn't there? So. There were bad decisions, there was blood, there was fighting, choking, all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, raring to go and get in there. Uh, first game was Central Coast Mariners at Gold Coast United, which pretty much uh, set the tone, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Got a bit, uh, got a bit heated, shall we say, in the second half. Um, I mean, Jason Kalina came out and slated the, the Mariners on the, on his forum, uh, his blog, sorry, on the World Game site, which I thought was a bit, I thought it was a bit out of order, really, for for another professional. The way he sort of talked about that, you yeah. know, I've just survived being kicked, you know, attempt to be kicked off the park. Um, but I suppose you know, that's for him to say. Miron always you know, good for a quote with his psychopaths and well, it's not, it's good, you know if you're going to win the league, then it doesn't matter what league you play in. There are teams like the Mariners that you have to find a way around. That it, you know if you're going to win the league, and the easiest way to find your way around people that are trying to kick you is not let them have the ball, not let them get close enough to mm. you. And, the, and Gold Coast couldn't really do that, you know. And so if you look at you know Arsenal in the Premier League, they have to go to places like Bolton and Burnley, where you know similar thing. You know, not everyone can play football at the level of the best teams in the league, so they have to look for other ways to nullify their threats and one way is to get physical you know and let's not forget it is still a physical game you know and it involves physical contact so I, I think it's a bit rich to then to moan about the fact that it, you know the, there's a team that is playing to its strength and Laurie's obviously looked at the, the the opposition and thought well this is exactly the way to get them give them a give yeah them a, absolutely give them a and, and funny enough we were we saw Laurie on the on the World Cup bid ferry race on the on Tuesday and he's He's sort of got one eye on potentially the Mariners sneaking into the finals, finishing sixth and getting a crack at the Gold Coast again if they finish third. You know, and one of the things we're chatting is like, you know, you start moaning about this, that's a red flag to every other team. Yeah. Oh, OK, they don't like it. You know, it's classic saying they don't like it up. And, you know. yeah. and Trev, the, the two tackles that really come to mind were both by uh, the Maltese Falcon. Uh, <laughs> was... he, he just went in both times, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Don Hutchinson and full-blooded challenges you probably call him. But you know, even Thwaite got aggressive in that game. He's normally yeah. quite a passive guy, isn't he? But you know, he, he was in the thick of it. And I think the Central Coast are just playing within their means, aren't they? Really, if they try and play him on a football level. They're, they're going to get spanked by Gold Coast, especially the way the Mariners have been playing in recent weeks. But you talk about you know the Premier League and like Arsenal and Arsenal have struggled in recent years going away to places like Bolton. And Man U's biggest success is they take the most amount of points out of any of the big four out of all the bottom teams. Mm. They win the games they have to win and that's why they've been so successful. And like you say, Gold Coast have just got to learn you know, how to do it. And that didn't look like too bad a point for the Gold Coast when they got it. It's just that Sydney and Melbourne went on and won and now they're in a must-win game coming up this weekend. The, the other thing as well, though, you know, this was the Mariners' season on the line. You know, a defeat here probably puts them mm. pretty much out of it. So if they didn't go down fighting... The, the fans would be raising questions quite rightly about well, where was the heart, where was the battle, and they showed that. You know, Hutchinson rubs people up the wrong way. That's part of his game. 
Yeah, I like that about him. Yeah. He got the ball bad. both times. I mean, I thought the first tackle was actually worse than yeah. the second. Um, yeah. But it was the second one that seemed to get the, the Gold Coast guy. But, you know, you look at it. I mean, the thing is, though, is that just because you get the ball doesn't mean it's not a foul. Mm. Um, you know, and that's the key. If it's reckless or, you know, it's dangerous, whether you get the ball or not, yeah. um, it's still a yellow card or it's still a, a red card. So. Yeah. Well, moving on. Perth Glory against Wellington Phoenix as the other game on Friday played out west. And Perth really bounced back after their Melbourne loss and uh, were worthy winners 2-0 against Wellington. But again, another bit of needle in there and a uh, bit of blood being shed early on. Yeah, Daddy uh, sort of put himself about a bit, had a point to prove. Didn't really prove it. No. <laughs> I certainly didn't prove I've, it. With I thought penalty. he looked like an over-enthusiastic Labrador, just running around, jumping up at people, should have got sent off. He was absolutely awful. Yeah. Nice yeah. headband, though. Yeah, great headband. And brilliant penalty. Oh, the penalty. That reminded me. <laughs> the of, penalty. That reminded me of Gary Lineker's penalty against, I think it was Brazil, and that when he had a penalty to, e- to equal the all-scoring the, the record sort of the goal scorer for England and he tried the little chip mm. and the keeper just didn't move and just caught it and Lineker just put his head in his hands and go that's it I've blown my chance to be England's greatest goal scorer yeah. that's funny because I thought of Lineker after that penny as well because Lineker always used to say something about pennies when you take them pick a spot say I'm going to hit it there and then that's where you hit it I got the impression Daddy didn't pick a spot and as he was running up he thought oh god I still haven't thought where I'm going to put it I think he's probably thinking about how he was going to celebrate it rather than where he was going to yeah, put yeah. it and then just one of the worst pennies you're ever going to see Daddy and Lineker looks similar as well that's probably why you the similarities roll on but two they? unsung goal scorers really Danny McBreen and yeah well yeah, taken two but, good uh, goals particularly Harris was a was a fantastic finish you know to control a ball like that on the half volley um, was a great finish but again Wellington you know, we're going to talk about the game this week but Wellington you know, just completely different side away from home mm. you know just were never really in this game and, and didn't you know, and we're not in the game on Tuesday either and then you think Look at their form with the same players at home. It's difficult to sort of fathom what, how much of a difference that makes. You know? Yeah. Uh, Saturday's game was uh, the old rivalry between Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United, and uh, Melbourne stole their lunch, copped off with their women, and shat in the changing rooms, didn't they? Really? <laughs> uh, they absolutely own Adelaide, and that's uh, the ninth, ninth straight victory. Isn't proved it, I think. it again. Goals in the, the in the first and the last minute. But I want to talk about that penalty. <laughs> What the WTF, as the kids say, yeah. is Matthew Breeze doing refereeing top matches anymore? There was a couple He's of them, actually, because you could look at Merger's penalty and say, was that a penalty? Yeah. It certainly didn't look it. And but there was no, no one was no near Archie. He, missed the, he swang at the ball and missed, and, he gave, and it's Matthew Breeze against Adelaide again. And again, coming back to this, you know, like football's a contact sport, you know, we are reaching the, the fast reaching, particularly in the A-League, when the officials do seem to get it wrong as many times as they get it right, where people will just be afraid of making tackles in the box. Mm. And, it, you know, and that takes away such a big part of the game. I mean, it was, you know, it was never a penalty. You know, it didn't really matter. It was in injury time. Yeah. Melbourne would have won. But, again, as with the grand final, you know, the danger is, is when those decisions are made, when it does really matter. You know, if it's nil-nil in a grand final with five minutes to go in a decision like that. And that's all we end up talking about. And there's been too many key games in the A-League when the thing we end up talking about after the game is not the football but the referee. Yeah, and we've talked about it Trev that the standard of the A-League continues to grow you know, if you, you know, look at it as a graph it's going up but the refereeing's probably staying quite level isn't it? I mean that, <clears throat> that's something that 
needs more investment in. I mean, the idea, a lot of the stuff of how this A-League's been set up and how the coaching in Australia is going, it's taking the best practices from around the world. I don't think we're doing that at the moment. I think we need to look into, you know, where the referee is strong and, and try and copy that. Yeah. yeah, but Melbourne were, you know, just too strong for them in the end, weren't they, when we're looking at, look at it from a foot, footballing point of view? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, North Queensland Fury against Brisbane Raw, the big game. We'll be getting into a little bit of the off pitch uh, stuff that happened a little bit later but as far as again there's a lot of fussing about the changing formation by uh, Ferguson that, that prompted Robbie Fowler's dummy spit but did it work for the Fury it didn't really seem to yeah, work in the first half they were terrible in the first half as yeah. well and it's only when they pushed Williams up more in the second and he got the goal that they, they looked more likely they probably would have liked to introduce Fowler like Ferguson planned but now that they didn't, <laughs> they didn't you know, like if you're if you're eleven, one of the eleven that's picked, and uh, you know Robbie Fowler has been told to sort of, when you sort of think you've got a world class striker and he's not playing, it's mm-hmm. like yeah. how much more likely are we to win this game? You know, and so I think the first half they were all looking around, going, "What's going on here?" You know, and obviously something bigger than they're trying to make out happened. Yeah, um, you know, and that's going to affect the players. Of course, it is, especially when it's a club captain as well. Um, Hint of handball for David Williams's goal. Someone uh, double handball. Were, I think they were saying, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And he looked back at the uh, lines yeah, lines look, person to yeah. to check. But it was funny because they they showed it to Ange after the game, and Fox were interviewing him. And you could tell he wasn't impressed because he hadn't seen it properly himself. He was like, "Yeah, that's definitely a handball." Yeah. yeah. Um, Sunday's first game: Newcastle Jets against Sydney FC. Nice, uh, nice little win for for Sydney there. Finding yeah, the back of the net. Yeah, big win for Sydney. I mean, that's that's a massive confidence boost to them going into what is a, a sort of last key three games and that was the first time they've won from being behind you know and um and although Branko said that you know his substitution at half time was probably to blame for that because you know with the the system that he was playing in the first half they um they sort of seemed to have Sydney's measure but Aloisi scored a, a really good time for Sydney that set mm. them in level when had they gone in one nil come out second half maybe things would have been different but um, great strike from Michalik to hit it first time when he, you know, a less confident player might have just taken a touch or taken the easy route and just spread it wide to have a go but again you've probably got to look at um, Ben Kennedy and should he not be more position. alert I know he was you know he was he was, unsighted, he was pretty but... unsighted but you've still got to make an effort for it you know yeah. he didn't even move yeah, he went for the old shouting at a defender, didn't he? <laughs> Even if you don't see it until it goes past the last defender 18 yards out, you've still got, a, you would think that a keeper's able to at least make a, make a dive towards the ball from that, from that amount of visibility. So yeah, just so it looks like he made an effort. That. Also, well, yeah, that's, that's, the, it, other thing. that's yeah. the point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was pleased Chris Payne scored as well. I thought he's looked all right, the, the sort of 10, 15 minutes he's been given, and he's playing for a contract no different to how Aloisi is. So, mm. you know, it's good to see him take a goal wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of him there's a few injuries that, that mean that we might be seeing a, a bit more of him yeah do we uh, know how long Alois is out no Alois is apparently going to be fit apparently oh, okay. he's going to be fit for this weekend yeah. and uh, yeah it was just I think it was more of a twinge than an actual sort of pull um, and he's responded to treatment and the, the last we heard is he'll, he'll be playing against Brisbane Good. Always good to hear about the twinge. Um, and then obviously there was one midweek game played on Australia Day on Tuesday. Melbourne victory against Wellington Phoenix at Etihad. And uh, Melbourne in imperious form, you know, finals, finals type form there. And Hernandez and uh, Thompson 
playing as you would expect them to and running out 4-0 winners. Nice bit of scheduling there as well. It was an Australia day, Australian champions versus the Kiwis from Wellington. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was never in any danger, was it really? Um, I was, you know, I was, I was going to watch this go, so I thought I'll have a little flutter on it, make it a bit more exciting. So I looked at the odds, Melbourne were, you know, like on back. One point, yeah, yeah, something else. So I thought, oh, Wellington, $5.50. I thought, oh, have a little look at that. They get you the prices, don't they? <laughs> might as well a little cigar with it. <laughs> can we gain anything from that? I mean, I mean, Melbourne completely outclassed Wellington. Wellington are rubbish away from home is what we can gain out of that. There are a couple of, couple of times when Wellington could have breached the defences or did seem to breach the defences of Melbourne. Is that something that should be worried about or has that happened over the course of a game? Yeah, I think that's going to happen. You know, you can't control a game completely for 90 minutes and it's about, the important thing is about um, when you are dominant is capitalising on that and scoring and that's what Melbourne are very good at mm. and that's what teams like Sydney, sometimes Gold Coast and that, that those, those other teams don't tend to do. They have a big period of possession, a big period of pressure but they won't score and then that always leaves you open to sort of suck a punch at the other end. But Melbourne, as we talked about last week, are very, very good at putting games out of sight. Yeah. And that is going to be a major factor going into the finals. And a great little team goal at the end by Kemp with a bit of a back heel in the box and nice finish. So. What season Kemp's had. Yeah. Uh, really come through, hasn't he? And Pim seems to like him as well. So, yeah, it'd be an important player for them in the finals. Top baldy. We love him. Uh, <laughs> That's round 24 in review, and uh, join us after the break where we'll be having a look at some of the news from our website, au.442.com. Hey, here it is. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. This month, we speak exclusively to Liverpool and England superstar Stephen Gerrard and Socceroo Luke Wilkshire as both look forward to the World Cup in South Africa. Our man Trev gets flown to Germany by Adidas for a first look at the official World Cup ball. And as a European transfer window opens, we look at some of the hottest property likely to be on the move, including Sergio Aguero, David Silva and Luis Fabiano. And if that wasn't enough, there's a free 2010 World Football Wall Planner to make sure you don't miss any important dates in this massive year of football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. Inside a podcast, I'm joined by Andy Jackson and Trevor Trahani, the uh, brains and the brawn behind uh, the magazine and which website. Which I don't know. I don't want to insult anyone. Um, we're going to have a look at some of the best news from the website now, which is au.442.com. On a roll. Yeah, I've done it twice now without mucking it up. And first of all, obviously, the big story from the week was Robbie Fowler's refusal to uh, sit on the bench for North Queensland Fury. Coach Ian Ferguson looking to shake things up with his formation and uh, told Robbie that he wasn't going to be uh, playing or starting in the team. And Robbie uh, said, well, I'm going to go and watch the game from the stands with my kids. Fowlergate. Fowlergate. Or or if you believe possibly one of the worst attempts at a cover-up, that Robbie Fowler, who's probably 20 years, nearly 20 years at the highest level of football, 
didn't understand the difference between you're going to be starting on the bench and you're not in the squad. Yeah. Did anyone really believe that? So, no. no. Maybe they thought they could pull the wall over the eyes. But... And this is big news. Interesting. I was looking, I was on the Guardian site and this is the most read story on the Guardian site amongst all the other Premier League news and whatever. Yeah. The fact that Robbie Fowler refused to sit on the bench. So, you know, this is making sort of worldwide headlines because of who he is you know yeah you see Andy said that obviously it was a, a bit of a poor excuse and the the words from uh, Don Matheson who's the uh, head of uh, North Queensland Fury said I've spoken them to them today and realized that there's been a misunderstanding Ian wanted to play a particular formation and that included utilizing Robbie as an impact player off the bench and Robbie believed he wasn't part of the squad. There has been an unfortunate outcome because of that misunderstanding. I mean, even with a Scouser and a Scott involved, yeah. that's There's still a big, no way, that's a yeah. long bow to draw for that, isn't it? Really? Hey, Robbie, get warmed up. Oh, what's he doing in the stands? That's well, not going to happen, is it? I mean, I must admit, I was pretty disappointed in Fowler, having been really impressed with the way he's carried himself all season on the pitch. The way he's you know, taken being substituted yeah. and being one of the lads. And I just thought, to be honest, I thought that was pretty, you know, a lack of respect, you know, for the for his fellow players, for the coach. And no matter what you think about the coach, you have to give him the support. And but most importantly, for the fans that turned up and paid the money, mm. you know, I just thought it didn't didn't show them any respect. Fair enough, don't be happy with it. Fair enough, be absolutely livid about it. But deal with it on the Monday morning. Come in, demand a meeting, say what's going on here. But on the day, on game day, suck it up because there's eight or however many thousand people turned up and paid good money to watch you play. And I was disappointed with him. Some of our forum comments as well, like a lot of the Melbourne guys have been waiting all season to see Robbie because they haven't played there yet. And they're saying, well, we've waited all this time, we're not going to get to see him now. You know, that's what fans have come. If you see all the stats they put up on Fox, how much higher these attendances are when Robbie's playing compared to an average attendance. Mm. Yeah. It's important for the league. And then obviously the, the, the rumours uh, start swirling around afterwards and uh, there's been talk that there's an ultimatum of uh, Robbie or, or Ian um, at the end of the season and that's been rubbished by Ian Ferguson saying it's, uh, that's, there's nothing of the sort like that and it's just rumours. But you know it goes back to what you said, Andy, is you, you try and deal with it yourself and deal with it in private. When it comes out in, in a public way like it has, then everyone starts dealing in rumours and innuendo and it just grabs a life of its own doesn't it yeah I mean what what was he thinking and I know Robbie was in the wrong because he shouldn't refuse a coach you know when he says sit on the bench but it is a little strange going for a 4-1 4-1 when you're at home against an out sort of raw team and you have to win mm. I know he said it looked a bit jaded but you know he's played a lot of football and he's their captain I think he should have started well, I think if Robbie sat on his hands and, and let it pan out on the pitch, I think he was proved right that that formation didn't really work. And the, and the irony of the whole thing was that had he sat on the bench, he would have been on after two minutes because of the injury to Brocky. Yeah, yeah. You know, he would have been straight on, four four two, away we go, you know. And so that's, obviously you didn't know that at the time. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, he's the marquee player. He's, you know, he's sort of become that marquee player for the whole league. And if he's fit, which he is, you know, he's not struggled the way some people said he would be. He's still their leading scorer. He's still, what, third leading scorer mm. in the league. He's got to play. Yeah. You've built your side around him. You don't pick a formation that, and then go, this doesn't suit you, Robbie. Yeah. I, I think a bit of unrest for his family as well. I reckon end of the season, we might have seen the last of him. Yeah, well, it's a better prediction than me when I said he'd be gone after a couple of weeks. I, I also thought he'd podcast. be injured most of the season, wouldn't play any. I think he started every single one of Fury's games. Yeah, that's great stuff. And moving <laughs> on, um, Patrick Cliver has joined the Raw. Fantastic news story here. I thought he was signed to play, 
but now he's coming over for a two-week coaching uh, stint. And Ange Postacoglu says, short-term, I believe this will help inspire the players to take their game to the next level. Isn't that sort his job? That. Yeah, I thought that. You I know, like, has he just already realised, has he already thrown in the town and said, look, I can't inspire these guys, let's get uh, Cliver in to do it? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't know whether this is part of his coaching education because it's talking about the fact that he's just done his UE for A and, and I know when you do your UE for Pro that you, part of it is going and, and um, getting experience with other sort of football sort of leagues and coaches. Mm. I know Ricky Herbert and Roy Keane went and spent time with the New Zealand All Blacks you know, looking at different training methods and best practice. So whether it's part of that and the Raw have just taken it as a sort of PR opportunity, um, I'd imagine that's probably the case. I don't really see what impact he's going to have in two weeks and as you say if he's got to bring in people to motivate the team then is he the right man for the job it's yeah. a strange time for him to come in as well because it's real disarray in the camp isn't it and he's lost all the senior players and Tiago's come out and given him a volley hasn't he today exactly the thing we're Clive in the magazine a few months back and it's strange because his goal scoring record is nearly got the goal every other game type ratio at top clubs and he's only 33 now mm. so it's a real surprise that he's not playing somewhere I think they should have just got him up and... See if they spend two weeks persuading him to, to sign up, <laughs> play the last couple of games. That'd be it, bit of a summer, summer holiday in Brisbane for, for old Patrick. Another news story to come out this week was that um, FIFA looked like they might be shutting Australia out of the uh, 2018 World Cup bid. Um, discussions between Sepp Blatter and uh, UEFA boss Michel Platini... Um, have gone on, gone on over the last uh, few weeks saying that they're going to restrict the 2018 bid to uh, European nations. you got to love FIFA, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like, only they could, could actually play out this behind-the-scenes sort of manoeuvring in public. You mm. know? It's like, talk about moving the goalposts. It's like, you know, I, mean, I don't know. I, I just take whatever comes out of Set Blatter's mouth with a pinch of salt. You know, he says... He says what he needs to do depending on the country that he's in at the time. Yeah. You know? And yeah, interesting enough, I saw Ben Buckley's response was, you know, this this is a sign that, you know, Europe are worried that they might not have the best bids, you know, and so they're they're looking to protect their own turf because by rights it probably should be in Europe in two thousand eighteen because that'll be two year two sort of World Cup cycles without it. Um and maybe it's uh you know, Europe having to sort of pull together and, and lobby as a, as, a, as a unit, as a federation, rather than the individual bids standing up for themselves is, is sort of testament to the fact that they're, they're lagging behind a bit. Well, Trevor, as, as Andy said, it's probably not too much to worry about because we'll probably in two weeks' time we'll have Blatter say that he thinks Australia's in the, you know... The future yeah. is in the Qatar. Box yeah, yeah, exactly. When he's in Qatar. I don't think, you know, that, that little filter between thinking stuff and saying it, I don't think he's, he hasn't got it, has <laughs> yeah, it? It just no. comes straight out. <laughs> so the old women with their tighter shorts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think we probably suspected this anyway. It'd be a big surprise if it had been in South Africa this year, Brazil four years' time, for it not to be in Europe. Three World Cups not in Europe in a row. Probably not going to happen. So, if anything, it could be quite a positive thing because, you know, that's almost saying to Europe, this is your chance to get it. And 22, which I think the World Cup we were more aiming for anyway, yeah. that probably leaves it more open for us to go. So I think it's, it's good news. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, another story broken by Aidan, our um, often featured pod man, as well as these two boys here, um, is that Dean Heffernan, he will be loaned out to Huddersfield Town for the remainder of the season, obviously looking to uh, boost his chances of getting into the Socceroo World Cup squad after a, a fantastic game in the Asian Cup qualifier against Q8 where he uh, scored and set up uh, uh, the other goal so uh, a, a good move for the Hef uh, he's, 
He's uh, crazy hairstyles, uh, going quite, and his little tickler under the old uh, <laughs> bottom lip. Um, yeah, it is a good move. Um, you know, he's obviously seriously thinking about you know going to the World Cup. I think it's going to be tough for him because I think Chipperfield's definitely going to start. I think Carney's yeah. definitely the replacement. Carney ahead of him. In the so order, he's going to need an injury to one of those two to get through. But previously it was um, Shane Stefanuto, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, who looked like that third choice, but obviously he's picked up an injury now. So he's you know a more severe injury early in the season. So yeah, I mean the Hef could well be the third choice, but he's probably going to need an injury. Yeah. To someone else, not himself, that won't help. <laughs> yeah, obviously if he gets injured, that could be a problem. Uh, good move for him, though, going to Huddersfield. I mean, I don't, don't really know much about him, but it, it yeah, sounds like so. he'll probably it's get a game. One, you know, so they're, they're in the mix for promotion um, out there. So it's probably a, a decent standard, probably not, not dissimilar to some of the quality he'd be playing, but obviously it, it keeps him playing until May, which is the... The main sort of uh, ambition for the, the the World Cup sort of fringe players is to just stay fit. And as you, as Trev said, you know some of these guys will be banking on an injury, but or injury to another player. But they've got to stay fit, you know. And, and Pim's made it quite clear that he's not going to consider anyone that isn't playing. So mm. fair play to him. Just a side point away from the news: it's interesting to see Nicky Carl played this morning for Palace because they've got real problems and they they couldn't even name a full bench. They can only name three subs this morning, Palace, because having to hold back players that they're selling and what have you. So he might get a bit more game time yeah. at a struggling club. You know, he well, started, he played... administration, haven't they? Yeah. Dot 10 points and... Yeah. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't been paid a couple of times this season, the players, so... Jeez. Yeah, it's maybe, not good. Maybe that's why Nicky's hair's getting so long and can't afford the, uh, <laughs> can't afford the hairdresser. But the last story is uh, some unfortunate news that Harry Kuehl's, um going to be out for about five weeks after serious groin injury. He's having a fantastic season at Galatasaray in Turkey. Uh, but he's re-injured a pre-existing adductor problem. And uh, he's facing you know, nearly two months on, on the sideline. Bad news for him when he's probably looking for... He's coming to the end of his contract and has had a good season. Is that is that a worry for him and, and where he goes on from there? I don't think it's... We worried it was going to be two months at first and, and now it's five weeks it's been confirmed. So no, I don't, I don't think that's a, a massive problem and in a completely heterosexual way. He's in good shape at the moment, Harry. And I think he'll bounce back from that injury failure and providing he, he gets a good run in the lead up to the end of the Turkish season, that's not a problem, I don't think. I think the worry about this is that it's it's a re-injury. It's like it's an injury that he's had before, and this was the the big injury that forced him out of the Champions League final early, and the um, the FA Cup final early. Mm. And the, I think this was the injury that he struggled to actually get an accurate diagnosis to start with. So I guess that's probably the the one benefit is he does know what he's dealing with now, and he knows how to deal with it. And it's that little kind of like bit of skin or, or like it's a tendon a muscle that, that, that sort of attaches the bottom the... of your stomach and, the, and your sort of groin. Yeah, um, and it's one of those that is really sort of tough to because it's difficult. Andy, no need to get up and show. Oh no, put, put your trousers <laughs> back up then. No, oh guys, it's, not it's just it good. It's, it's not like yeah. a calf oh. muscle, so you can you can really sort of massage and stretch out, you know. And so oh, stop massaging it, Andy. <laughs> I don't need to, guys. Um, it's really good that it's just a, a, an audio podcast. So the concern is that it's a it's a it's an injury he's had before, and it's like is it, it because it's you know, you're only ever weakening that. Um, but it could be a blessing in disguise that he gets a bit of a break at a key time, comes back fresh, fit, and as you said, Trevor, he has been looking, you know, perfect specimen 
from a, from a physical perspective. <laughs> That's a quote. I uh, um, really don't need to see your perfect specimen either now. <laughs> Do you think his flatmate's pleased about that, Les? Oh, not another groin injury, Harry. Yeah, typical. <laughs> we'll, but that's we'll get you sorted out. He'll be pulling the little <laughs> customised tracksuit that he's got for his fingers off. Like, <laughs> yeah, just stretching the fingers out. Come on, mate. But get I su- in the living room. I suppose the mental side of it, though, is when it is a re-injury, it's something that probably that, plays on his that, head yeah. more than, uh, you know, like a, a new one or something like that. But... As you said, maybe it's a blessing in disguise and we have a fresh Harry for the World Cup. That's all the time we've got for uh, this section of the podcast. But join us after the break as Trevor has a chat with uh, Gold Coast United defender Bash van den Brink. <laughs> That's what he sounded like as well. He does sound yeah. a bit like that. And did you think it was uh, me when doing the interview? Yeah, I did. I did. A bit renowned for your practical jokes, aren't you? And pretending to be footballers. So I thought, <laughs> I thought for a minute as he winding me up, was it him in the office doing it? But I think it was bad. I think, I think it was, yeah. It was yeah, quite, he was quite insightful on football, so I thought, no, yeah, there's no <laughs> way to do it. Definitely not me then. <laughs> okay, well, join us after the break. All together now. Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Muskie will be arm-in-arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, The Green and Gold Army's FIFA-authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos' base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1-300-300-745. Five, six, for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. This week we're having a chat with Gold Coast United defender Bass Vanderbrink. How are you doing, Bass? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. Um, look, do you want to have a quick chat about how things were going for you on the Gold Coast, um, you know, you spent your career up to date previously playing in the Netherlands, um, but joined Gold Coast for the inaugural season. What motivated you to join the A League? Uh, well, I uh, I wanted something different, and I um, uh, before I went, I spoke to uh, Sergio van Dijk and of course uh, Zenneker Vella. I spoke to them, and they told me about the football here, and I was uh, yeah very uh, curious how it would be on the other side of the world, and I wanted something new and. Um, yeah, some sort of um, uh, adventure for me. That was uh, the biggest part. And then when the Gold Coast came up, uh, uh, yeah, well, living in the Gold Coast and with them obviously very uh, uh, badly want to win the title, stuff like that, that makes me uh, yeah very enthusiastic to uh, come here. So, I mean, so. how have you found the A-League in, in terms of playing standard and style compared to what you'd experienced previously? Uh, well, I think we've got here uh, a, a very good players, and sometimes players, uh, I think, uh, uh, I say the, yeah, the standard is a bit less, but I think you've got a big variety between players. But uh, uh, the good thing about uh, the A-League, or maybe better said, uh, Australians in general, is the mentality. Everybody's so 
keen on doing their best and always giving 100% or maybe more than 100%. And that's, uh, for me, it was like an eye-opener. It's, the, the mentality here is much better than what I've experienced in Holland. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how you say it, or, or, but it's just uh, fun for me to play with guys who really are glad to be on the pitch and that makes me uh, make that the extra step or it's, yeah, it's good for me to be in a, sort of a team spirit like that. So it's it's very positive, my experience here. Okay. Have you had to adapt your game much since joining the A-League? Uh, some things are a bit different than uh, what I used in Holland. It's it's a, it's a bit more physical. Uh, I don't mind physical, but it's, yeah, you have to get used to it a bit. And um, I'm used to uh, playing... Uh, football from the back like uh, I would play to the other centre back and he would play back and we would just wait for a chance and then play forward but here it's everything is uh, straightforward so you get the ball and you want to switch straight away you play forward that makes the, um, uh, the player go a bit quicker so um, some things are a bit different but in general uh, football is of course football so when I think it's it's all about uh, yeah about, about quality and then it doesn't matter uh, in which competition you play if you're good enough you can play everywhere I reckon sure uh, what about playing under Miran Blyberg how, how have you found that oh, I think he's very um, uh, he, he's a very nice coach to uh, to play under because he he gives me a lot of trust and um, uh, he, I think he sometimes he tries to play a bit uh, the European style as well. So he definitely suits me as a coach, and he's uh, yeah. Uh, for me, he's a really nice coach to play under, and he gives me a lot of trust. And if if you're a player, you always need trust. So he, he's definitely the right man for me right now. Sure. I mean, you've got quite an outspoken owner at the Gold Coast in Clive Palmer. Does he get involved with the team much, or is he just more in the background? He gets involved in the team, uh, as in, uh, he, yeah, he's really, um, uh, oh, it's difficult to find a good word for me, but uh, he, he really wants the best for the team, and he, he's always there uh, during half-time or before the game to say, uh, guys, come on, uh, do your best, and just to uh, encourage us, but uh, that's as, as far as it goes, because it's not his um, uh, his natural environment. Uh, He's more, uh, yeah, and like behind the scenes and with his mineralogy and all the uh, the mining thing. So he's there just to support us, and in that way, he's really onto us. So uh, that's it's good. It's a good support for us. Sure, and Gold Coast started strongly this season, but you know had a bit of a mid-season dip, but seem to be getting back to your best in recent weeks. Why do you think the season's panned out like that? Well, you know, why did you have that slight dip, and how have you been able to get back to form? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's always difficult to point out why you're not playing well and sometimes it's just uh, a feeling in the team. It's, it's very hard to explain and you could ask every team. It's just uh, sometimes everything it touches gold and uh, the next week it turns out uh, yeah, not even silver. But um, yes, uh, so we, yeah, we struggled a bit. We changed the team a few times, so I think that's... Uh, also, the problem is that we changed it a bit, and now we've got a um, uh, good standard uh, structure again. So I think that's the reason as well uh, that we picked up the last, uh, say, five, six games. So 
Yeah, sure. A top two finish seems to be a three-horse race between yourselves, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, how do you see that panning out? Oh, it's going to be, yeah, I reckon for the three teams, it's, it's going to be very difficult. And for us, it's, it's just important. We have to win three games because, yeah, we're um, uh, one point behind Sydney and three behind uh, Melbourne. So we definitely need three wins. And it, it, it's going to be very hard to be in the in the top two, but I reckon it's going to be hard for Melbourne and Sydney as well. So it's it's all about uh, yeah, playing good football, working hard, and then hoping for the best. Mm, sure. Would it be fair to say that you're on the brink of winning the A League title? Um, oh, it, it, it it still happened, and we still uh, uh, we've got the faith in it, and uh, we're doing everything we can to uh, win the title. So uh, it, it could it could be fair to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you make of the whole you know final series concept after coming over from Europe? I mean, do you find it a little strange that the champions are going to be decided? You know, for a few knockout games at the end of the season, because that's probably not what you've been accustomed to. Uh, no, I've, I've been used to just the, the number one is getting uh, the title, and the number two until I don't know what they're playing for, like uh, the, the European Champions League and uh, the Europe League stuff like that. So the number one was always guaranteed of playing Champions League and the title and stuff like that. But I think it's pretty good, so it makes it. Uh, more exciting and I'm already looking forward to the playoffs and obviously if you end up first or second and you're not winning the title or you're not even in the grand final then then you think it's not fair but I think it's uh, it's it's great for, for the, the people watching the games it gives a bit of more uh, excitement in the game so I don't mind it I am um, to be honest I'm really looking forward to the to the playoffs already Sure, okay. I mean, huge game on Friday with Melbourne making the trip to Skilled Park. Um, how will you approach the game against the current champions? Uh, we, we, we said to each other and we had a team meeting already about it that uh, uh, nothing but a win is good enough uh, for us. So we're definitely going for a win and we're going to give everything we can. We, of course, we can't just attack, attack because we will probably get caught on the, the fast break uh, or the counter. But we... Um, Oh, we're going full forward and uh, we're not holding back on uh, Friday because uh, if, if we're holding back, we're, we're probably not going to win and a, a draw is not good enough. So, uh, I mean, finally, on a personal level for that game, you're going to be taking on one of the league's best strikers in Archie Thompson. Um, how are you going to be stopping him from getting on the score sheet? Um, oh, well, I have to be, of course, fully focused to stop him because uh, I definitely rate him as a player. I think he's always... Uh, dangerous and not, not only um, is he making space or chance for himself, but he works for the whole uh, for the team. I reckon because of his his runs sometimes to the sides or his dropping in midfield, he makes uh, or he creates spaces for other players. So uh, for me and the other defenders, it's just um, yeah, we we have to stay focused. And I think for me, I have to make sure I'm not getting in a on one on one long sprint with him. <laughs> That's the, the main thing for me. Yeah, sure, that's understandable. In one-on-one sprints with uh, Archie, so this, yeah, he's a really quick play. So uh, I hope I can force him into uh, less dangerous areas to the side and stuff like that. But we'll see how it works on, uh, on Friday. I just have to be uh, focused on him very much. Mm, OK. Bass Vendenbrick from the Gold Coast. Thanks for joining the Insider Podcast today.
Yes, thank you very much. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. This month we speak exclusively to Liverpool and England superstar Stephen Gerrard and Socceroo Luke Wilkshire as both look forward to the World Cup in South Africa. Our man Trev gets flown to Germany by Adidas for a first look at the official World Cup ball. And as a European transfer window opens, we look at some of the hottest property likely to be on the move, including Sergio Aguero, David Silva and Luis Fabiano. And if that wasn't enough, there's a free 2010 World Football Wall Planner to make sure you don't miss any important dates in this massive year of football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Back to the final section of the 442 Insider podcast, and we're going to be reviewing all the games in round 25 now, starting with what did you call it just then, Andy? An effing massive game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Blockbuster. Gold Coast United against Melbourne Victory up at Skilled Park, and uh, we could be looking at a, a 1v2 preview, couldn't we, Trev? We could do, yeah. I mean, Gold Coast, after being the only one of the, the top three not to win last week, are in a position where they've really got to win it because they're three points behind Melbourne. But another point is their goal difference isn't, when it isn't anywhere near as good, no. mainly thanks to Wellington smashing them since they were in the season. So that's almost like an extra point. So if they want to be serious about you know making the top two or, or taking out uh, the top of the league place, Gold Coast have, have got to win that. In terms of calling who I think is going to win it, really, really difficult to say. I think it could be, a, I think both teams would go for it. Really go for it attacking wise. I reckon it might be two all high scoring draw. Andy, do you see Melbourne possibly adopting a little bit of uh, Mariners? Absolutely. I was just going to say if you uh, if you got a little bit roughed up the game before and bleated about it a bit, which they have, like the next team you don't really want up is a team led by Kevin Musket, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Muskie will be having a word in Jason Cleaner's ear as they get on the pitch, both captains, probably a little word as they're shaking hands and tossing the coins. Like, yeah. I think last week was tough. Um, but yeah, you know, I think fair play. I think the, it's, yeah, it's the way Victory play. You know, they, they, they're not averse to, to sort of stamping their authority quite literally sometimes uh, on a game but you know the difference is that they can also play as well um, I think Melbourne will go there and win I think Melbourne have got the bit between their teeth now I think they'll um, I think they'll struggle to be beaten you know it's in their hands now that's the thing you know if they win win the last three games they've won the, they've won the uh, premiership again so um, I think we'll see them win Fair enough that's the only game on Friday there's uh, two games on Saturday Three. Three. Triple header. That's on my other sheet of paper that is blocked by my first sheet of paper. So three (laughs) games. As I said, I thought I'm going to take a chance here, but obviously failed. Uh, Three games on Saturday. First one is Wellington Phoenix against Adelaide United in uh, Christchurch. Wellington at home, Adelaide away. Wellington not at home though, are they? Oh no, Christchurch. Because Christchurch is Wellington. Last time they went, they went uh, away from the uh, from the cake team. Yeah. So. I still don't think it'll make any difference. I think Wellington will win. Wellington have got to, they've got to stop that rot of you know really really awful performances on top of bad results. So yeah, I think Wellington will take that out there. Yeah, fair enough. Adelaide shot now, not worth talking about. No, well one up front again probably. You'll yeah. think oh, I've played it twenty three times in a row. They won't see it coming if I do a twenty fourth <laughs> or twenty fifth time, will they? Yeah, I'm not. It's difficult to see you know where like Awusu, I think has been a. 
a bit of a well a major disappointment this Surprise. season. I thought he was going to do well. I yeah. thought he was cut off the league. Yeah, but no, he's been a disappointment. And as a result, probably Cristiano, who did look good last season, hasn't really got much of a look in because of this insistence of playing one up front. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, he's probably going to get a bit more game time, but it's all a bit too little, too late. But you really, think it'd be it? a chance for him to try something different ahead of the you know Asian Champions League? They've got some meaningful games coming up, so um, you wouldn't want to be throwing the towel in too early, would you? No, but I, you know, I think you've got to look at you know like what what sort of frame of mind they're going to go into the Asian Champions League. Similarly to Newcastle when they've just finished bottom of their domestic competition. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, the second game on Saturday is uh, Brisbane Roar against Sydney FC, and another game that will have a good bearing on on how the final or the top four or six will will uh, sort of finish, because Sydney FC don't really have a very good record of going up to Brisbane and. Uh, Playing well, getting points, do they? Yeah, they don't. I mean, I can remember season one, I think it was, when they went up there and won. Terry McFlynn with a little chip goal. Um, but I don't, really, I don't think they've won up there since then. Um, massive, massive game for Sydney, this. Off the back of a, a, a huge game last weekend where they came through flying colours. If they can win this, their last two games are at home. The last game being against Melbourne. You know, So if Sydney can win this and Gold Coast Melbourne finishes as a draw... Then Sydney are right back in it, you know, because then it means that they can, you know, beat Melbourne at home on the final day, potentially to clinch the uh, clinch the championship, which mm. uh, well, clinch the home and away championship, which would be a fantastic climax to the league. You know, that that's obviously what they were banking on or, or hoping for when they they played these fixtures, uh, when they pulled the fixtures out, and it would be fantastic if it went down to that that final game. Mm. Could even could even see a first sellout at the SFS for a home and away game. I think yep. for that. I think Sydney might move top this weekend because, like I called earlier, I think Gold Coast Mill might cancel each other out for a draw and I think Sydney will go there and win 2-0 um, and put themselves in a really good position at least for a top two spot. Got ready for that next week. 2-0. Yeah. Sydney will Who definitely will be top. <laughs> Who will score? You just said, you said you seem so confident 2-0. Um, Brosk. I've really gone out on a limb there. <laughs> Brosk and uh, Caracasel. I've gone out. I have gone out and live on there. Holy that means crap. he's got to get a shot on target first. <laughs> wow, that's this is great stuff. This is definitely teeing it up for a little bit of a re-record next week. Uh, last game on Saturday: North Queensland Fury against Newcastle Jets. On the, I reckon on, Robbie Fowler will start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good call there. Not probably the uh, wildest of uh, calls, but obviously Newcastle will be looking to. Sure, at that fourth spot, the, the teams beneath them aren't that far off point-wise, are they? But you know, Newcastle are playing some decent football and we'll want to kind of bounce back after that disappointing loss to Sydney the week before. Yeah, they want to put themselves in decent form going into the finals, especially after they're on such a good run. They were doing really disappointing losing to Sydney last week, and they'll look at that game thinking Fury, who aren't still out of making the finals, but it's incredibly unlikely. Mm. So I think yeah, the Jets will go there, and I think the Jets will win actually. I mean, the Jets have got the motivation looking at the table that if they win, they're definitely in the finals. So you know, if they win, they can't not finish in the top six. So yeah. you'd think that that's probably motivation enough. But then you look at it and you think, okay, Fowler comes back in. Got a point to prove, you know, as, as we've always said, players with points to prove tend to be uh, pretty motivated. So um, I'd probably tip a draw there, I think. Fair enough. And what do you think? I think Newcastle, Jets. Did you say that before? And I, I just did, yeah. You, just, well, you zoned out okay, like you do. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, final game, Sunday, 
sees Perth Glory take on Central Coast Mariners uh, out west, 4pm kickoff. How do we see this one going? Perth, uh, Perth at home again? I think it's going to end in a fight. Yeah, but the Central Coast, this is their season all on this and they're going to a, a tough place. So they're going to and Glory don't take many steps backwards like Chris Coyle and Jacob Burns. Burns get in with <laughs> so I, yeah. I think this could be quite tasty. Uh, but yeah, Perth at home again and I think that could be the, that'll be the end of the Mariners of this season. Yeah. Perth win? Yeah, Perth win, yeah. Okay, I'll take that on board, I'll remember that. Andy, <laughs> do you do like who'll win the fight and who'll win the game? Um Interesting one. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably tip Glory to win it in about three or four rounds if it was a boxing match because I think Glory got a few tasty lads on their side, particularly like Harmwell, you know, Harmwell, Todd, Coyne, Burns. That's not a bad tag team, that. Matt Simon would just eat them all up, though, wouldn't he? Nah, he'd be out of it. Um, I reckon it'll be tight. I reckon Glory by the odd goal. I think probably 2-1 Glory. Okay. Great stuff. That was all uh, the games in round 25 reviewed. And that's all the time we got for in the, this edition of the 442 Insider Podcast. Thank you to Simon, who's looking very serious today, which uh, we, we like. And uh, thanks to the lads. Make sure you join us next week. Thanks very much. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.